Welcome to Mock 10 Sports. Appreciate you joining us tonight. We are at the quarter mark of the season, and I'm here to give you the quarter report on every SEC team. Let's lead off with the Alabama Crimson Tide. As we all know, they started off 3-0, got wins against Utah State, pulled out the win in Austin against Texas, then wrapped up a win against the ULM Warhawks this past weekend. Just kind of go over the things you love to see, the positives at the quarter mark of the season, things you love to see here for the Tide so far. The defense looks like one of the best Alabama defenses they have had since, probably in my, in my opinion from looking at it, since 2016, honestly. Probably one of the more complete defenses. I mean, you still got some question marks there in the, in the corner position, but overall, just the uni, like the unison, the communication, you can tell, the edge rushers. You like the defense, probably one of the better ones since 2016. They do have their own questions still, but I think at all three levels, one of the more consistent defenses, consistent defenses the Tides had since 16. Um, but I, like I said, they, they could improve in a lot of areas, but they're top 15 in most key defensive statistics. So, I mean, from an Alabama, their own standard standpoint, yeah, there's improvement, but there's a lot of other teams that would give you, you-know-what, you to be in that situation. Uh, some things you hate to see, some things that you need to improve on here at the quarter mark. I really think so on both lines of scrimmage, on the offensive line, defensive line, the physicality, the killer instinct, just the offensive line, the interior of the offensive line, guys like Darian Dalcourt, Emil Echior, guys like Kendall Randolph, Javion Cohen, guys like that need to step up and play with a physical mentality. I don't see that right now in the offensive line. They've had that on years in the past, the 2020 offensive line, and going back years past, just teams that just dominated up front, still waiting on that interior pass rusher, interior dominant force on defense to step up on the defensive line. The next chance both of these uh, – Units on the offensive line and defensive line will have a chance to show out against a quality opponent. It'll be next weekend in Fayetteville, the 230 CBS game against the Razorbacks, against a physical offensive line front. The defensive line for the Tide will have to show up. Uh, that'll be the next test for the Tide. But that's pretty much the wrap-up for the Tide right there in the quarter board. Everything's going fine right now for them. Some key exams coming up, though, here in the next few weeks as they take on Arkansas, Texas A&M, and Tennessee all back-to-back-to-back. Uh, so it'll be interesting where the Tide is the next time we kind of discuss this at a 35,000-foot view. Moving on, though, the Arkansas Razorbacks sitting at 3-0, 1-0 in conference. have gotten wins against the Cincinnati Bearcats, who were a playoff semifinal team last year. Started off 1-0 at conference week two. Got a big win against a South Carolina team in Fayetteville. And then probably one of the games they struggled the most is Missouri State when Bobby Petrino came back in town and kind of – Showed the Hogs the ropes a little bit. I mean, Arkansas was down double digits in the fourth quarter, but ended up winning the game. Uh, say what you want. Could be a game where they're lo- looking past uh, Missouri State to an extent. Sam Pittman is quoted saying they got out coached in that game. So it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back. Uh, things you love to see the running game leading the SEC in rushing yards right now. Uh, you, you just like everything about the Arkansas running back Raheem Sanders, uh, KJ Jefferson. Uh, Dom Johnson when he's playing, A.J. Green. You, you like those guys when they're playing well. The rushing attack is really strong right now. Things you hate to see, really the pass de- passing defense. Uh, now, I know they've lost Miles Slusher. Chances are he comes back this week from what I'm hearing. Jalen Catalan, their best defensive player, out for the season in the secondary. Uh, 
And to be fair to their passing numbers, I saw Jimbo mentioned it today. Their passing numbers have been up a little bit because they've been da- they've been up in a lot of games besides Missouri State. But I still think it's a question mark. Jimbo playing a little coach speak there, hyping them up. There's some issues over there. Like Jimbo said, there's some athleticism, but I do think there's some communication issues and just some coverage issues on the back end that have to be figured out for the Hogs really start getting here in the meat of conference play, especially with playing Texas A&M this weekend in Arlington and then playing the Tide the next week. Everything's fine in Fayetteville. Obviously, I, I think they're going to win nine, maybe ten games. I'd be shocked if they didn't win at least eight. Things are looking good for Razorbacks and Sam Pittman and his squad. Now, big game this weekend in Arlington. Big game this weekend in Arlington. If they could go beat the Aggies two times in a row, that would put a major dent in the Aggies' armor. I know they signed the number one best recruiting class of all time last year, but if the Hogs could go get that win, that would help them in recruiting and springboard. Arkansas, we like the way they're moving, trending up. Moving on, kind of the opposite end of the spectrum here. We got the Auburn Tigers sitting at two and one. Got a win against Mercer. Struggled against San Jose State, but got the win. And then, as we all saw this past weekend, struggle bus against Penn State at home. First of all, I cannot remember the last time I saw Auburn get beat that bad at Jordan Hare Stadium in a big game. I mean, that was 2012. Johnny Manziel, Texas A&M, coming in there. Gene Chizik's last year, statistically one of the worst teams. Record-wise in SEC history, that 2012 Auburn team. But the positives, things you love to see. The running game when they're committed to it, it's been fine. I mean, it hasn't been great. It's been fine with Tank's bit, Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter. 14 design runs to 24 dropbacks in the first half. Auburn keeps saying they want to run, and that's the strength of the team. But you drop back and through the ball a lot more. And I know Harson came out and said, "Hey, well, the score dictates that's got to change. The score dictates the way we change our game plan." But you were only down eight, if I remember right, at halftime. So it was, and that's in the first half. I said again, fourteen design runs to twenty-four dropbacks in the first half. Just some contradicting thoughts there. Things you hate to see from Auburn: the turnover margin. Good gracious, my. They are minus eight. They, they're they 130th in FBS in turnover margin. They have not forced a turnover this year, and we're through three games. Again, let me repeat that for everybody, for the people in the back. Turnover margin for Auburn, minus eight and 130th in the FBS in turnover margin have yet to force a turnover this year. That is stuff that has to get fixed if they're going to have a remote chance of turning this season around. As I've said, things don't look good for the Tigers right now. They're playing the fellow Tigers in the SEC this week. The 11 a.m. game is the Missouri Tigers come to town. Must win for Brian Harson. T.J. Finley's out, so it looks like it's between Robbie Ashford, Zach Calzada, if he's coming back for the injury. Look to see Ashford get the start this week. Be interesting to see how they utilize him in the game plan. They need to lean on the run game. Missouri's defense is not very good up front. I will be shocked if Auburn doesn't give the rock to Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter. It just has to be done this week. As we all know, I don't just say it. Things are trending down to the first quarter for the Tigers. Tough sledding ahead for them. Moving on. The LSU Tigers sitting at two and one took the Labor Day Labor Day weekend opening loss to Florida State. As we all know, the block extra point to get to force into overtime. Uh, bounced back, got the winning at Southern University, the, the local Baton Rouge SWAC team, and then they got a big win at home. Big win for Brian Kelly against Mississippi State. I didn't think it would happen. I really didn't. I didn't think LSU would win that game against Mississippi State. I was calling that this summer. Uh, Still think LSU has some issues they got to figure out, but hey, things you love to see. Overall improvement in three weeks. It's all you can ask for. LSU does look better than they looked against Florida State, especially offensively. 
Look, everyone wanted to win that Florida State game. It was in your backyard, in the dome. But you know what? It just didn't happen. The defense improved tremendously from the Florida State game to Mississippi State. And that's after losing probably one of your highest upside best players in Mason Smith. State was 4 of 18 on third and fourth downs. Let me reiterate that. Mississippi State offensively was 4 of 18 on third and fourth downs. Tremendous job by new offensive coordinator who came from the Kansas City Chiefs. Madhouse, great game plan, did not give State any kind of comfortable pre-snap looks. And that's what Mississippi State does not want to see. They do not want to... You want you want them to think they're doing something. Pre, you want them to think you're doing something pre-snap, and then you switch on them, and you're doing something different. Another guy's coming from a different level, different simulated pressures. And credit to Matt House, he did it. Jaden Daniels is slowly improving and understanding what he has to do. Vice versa, I feel like he's starting to get a feel what he can do. The coaches are starting to get a feel for what his strengths are. It'll be interesting to see how that keeps going down the road. They play New Mexico this week, then they go on the road to Auburn. So it'll be interesting to see Jaden Daniels in a true road environment in two weeks at Auburn. Uh, a lot of seven-man protection for them to give him a chance to make plays downfield. And you know what? He was very cognizant and aware of when he needed to go make plays with his legs this past weekend, which I thought was critical. Offensive line, the inexperienced offensive line playing together, played really well last week against a pretty stout Mississippi State front. Things you do not like to see, though, from the LSU Tigers. Special teams has to get better. Brian Kelly and Brian Pullian have to get the special teams going, going back to the Florida State game. We all saw the field goal protection debacle, lack of communication that lost in the game against Florida State. Two drop fumble, pump return, pump fumbles by Malik Neighbors in that game that cost them the game. Muff punts last week, not getting away from it. Communication errors, still issues with tackling on special teams, kickoff coverage. Kicking depth and trajectory, it's just kind of all over the place, special teams. LSU is going to have to fix that or that's going to cost them another game. Overall, though, a quarter of the way through the season, I like what I do like is LSU has improved in three weeks. And I think that's all you can say right now. If they can go win this week, win, it, win at Auburn, and then they get Tennessee coming into town, which would be a big one, another springboard. Honestly, that Mississippi State game could springboard LSU into having a getting to that 8-9 win total they needed to get to. I thought it may be the Tennessee game, but it's a little earlier than, than expected, and it could be the Mississippi State game. Moving on, Ole Miss sitting at 3-0, and getting the wins. A little bit of an easier schedule than most teams in the league. Getting wins against Troy, Central Arkansas, and Georgia Tech. Things you loved to see through the quarter of the season so far from the Rebs. First, two things that mainly jump out. The running game and the defense. Leading off, Zach Evans, Quinchon Jukins are number three and number four in SEC rushing leaders right now. I said in the summer, don't be surprised if Ole Miss just leans on the run game early with the talented backfield and experience with the winnable offensive line play. It's not great offensive line play, but as a unit, they're serviceable. I do like their top guys. If Zach Evans can make it through the entire season, again, I'm not sold he can do that yet. But I believe in him as a player. He's a special talent, but the guy has not finished a season since his junior year of high school. I love the freshman Quinshot and Judkins from Pike Road. Ole Miss better be doing something from an NIL standpoint to uh, keep him because if you're not familiar, Pike Road is in Pike Road, Alabama, and there's two schools in your division that are in the state of Alabama, and I don't have to tell anyone on here listening who those teams are. Uh, the unit is averaging 271, 271 yards per game right now, and that leads the SEC. Um, the defense is just flying around right now. 
I mean, they're number two in rush defense, number 10th nationally. The Rebs are eighth in yards per play. They're giving up 3.64, 3.64 yards per play. Uh, obviously, the competition is going to get better. They're going to get tested this week with a explosive Tulsa uh, air attack. So it'll be interesting to see how Ole Miss – I feel like they haven't really been tested through the air yet, but they will this week. And then Big Blue Nation, Kentucky, comes rolling into town next week. For It's going to be a big – Big game for both teams to kind of springboard themselves into being real contenders in both their respective divisions. Things you hate to see for the Rebs, man, I like what Kiffin's doing. I really do. But at this point, just name a starter, and it's obvious who it is. It's Jackson Dart. It really is Jackson Dart. Name him the starter. Give him the full week of preparation. I know he had the bad interception going into the half last week that Kiffin went nuts on him about, and, and it was fair. But Jackson Dart has the high upside that you're going to lean on the solid run game. But at some point in the league, you're going to have to be able to take the top off the defense without people loading the box and stopping your good running game right now. But I think Jackson Dart gives you the best ability to do that. Things are trending up for the Rebs right now. They should get the win against Tulsa, but they'll be tested. And then you get Kentucky, and Auburn, Kentucky Vandy, and Auburn at home. And then it starts the the five-game stretch that uh, will define the season, in my opinion. But I do like the trajectory of the Rebs, and it's trending up right now. Moving on, Mississippi State sitting at 2-1 and one overall with wins against Memphis, Arizona, and then they took the loss in Baton Rouge last week to LSU. Things you're like, I like to see right now, things you love to see. Look, Saturday in Baton Rouge wasn't great for anyone on the state offense. But Will Rogers and the Mississippi State offense, in my opinion, will be fine. I feel consi- I, I feel f- that I trust them enough. I know what I'm going to get with them. They need to get those eight that eight-win total. They're good enough to win every game they play, but realistically, eight wins is very attainable. I attribute Saturday to just a bad day all the way around. State had a chance in the second quarter, in my opinion, to kind of take control of the game and kind of put it away, as crazy as that sounds. But they just didn't get the job done. Like a bunch of overall, not a great day for Will Rogers. A bunch of drops by the receivers and running backs, and it, and give Madhouse the LSU defense a tip of the cap. They had a great game plan in there, making it uncomfortable for State pre-snap. State's gonna adjust, kind of get a feel for how teams are gonna attack them. Let's see if teams keep attacking them that same way. Did Madhouse give the blueprint on how to stop Mississippi State this year, just like Barry Odom in 2020 gave the blueprint on how to stop Mississippi State that year? Things I, I hate to see, it's State's time of possession has gone down in all three games. They had 41 minutes of time of possession versus Memphis, 37 versus Arizona, and barely got to 27 minutes versus LSU. The offense is designed to pick up yardage in small chunks for the most part, and the offense limits the amount of possessions for the defense. That's the goal. The kicking game is another issue to me. It isn't fixed completely. It's been an issue last year. Special teams in general cost them about three games last year. They've already missed three extra points in the past two games, and that's going to be an issue. He has to find a kicker. I saw early in the week, he, I think it was yesterday, or post-game of the LSU game, stated it's still an issue. He may have to go there and start kicking, Leach stated. That has to get fixed or they will lose some more games. The receivers, eh, been okay so far. I think it's just a little inconsistency right now. They should get that right. Uh, but, again, the drops against Arizona and LSU were drive killers. Overall, I think Mississippi State's going to settle in, be fine. It'll be interesting. They get Bowling Green this week to knock off the rust, and then they get a big one against A&A, Texas A&M at home in Startville off Texas A&M playing a physical Arkansas team this week. It sets up nicely. 
for Mississippi State. It honestly does. It sets up nicely for Mississippi State to somewhat sneak up on Texas A&M. I know they beat Texas A&M last year, so A&M won't be overlooking them by any means. But still, if they could win this week and somehow get that win against Texas A&M, you feel like you're kind of right in the ship. But the tough thing for Mississippi State, I've said it all year, it's tough when you have the Georgia Bulldogs as your East draw. I mean, they probably have the toughest East draw between Kentucky and Georgia. But I, I think State's steady right now. I'm not going to hold last week's performance against them. I think it's a, an exception. Just overall, just a bad day and tip of the cap to LSU's defense. Moving on, Texas A&M, quarter of the way through the season, sitting at 2-1 and one with wins over Sam Houston State, Appalachian State, and Miami. Sorry, sitting 2-1 and one with wins against Sam Houston State and Miami. We obviously saw they took the loss to Appalachian State. Uh, so they're sitting at 2-1 and one, rolling into Arlington this weekend. Things you love to see. I know it's year five, and you don't want to hear about bouncing back after an early season loss, but it's true. A big win to bounce back, to get a win against a solid Miami team that I think is going to end up being better than people think. Young guys after suspensions, targetings, ejections, stepped up in the secondary against Miami last week. They, I mean, they stopped a pretty potent Miami uh Potentially offense right there with Tyler Van Dyke, who has NFL potential. Miami's receiver is a little bit underwhelming, but again, guys stepped up for Mississippi State, for uh, Texas A&M this past week. Like Bryce Anderson, young guys stepped up. The defense has done a good job of limiting, limiting explosive plays. Love to see that. They adapted a new defense with DJ Durkin. One play over 30 yards this year, which is a solid job by the A&M defense. That's, a, that's the thing people don't understand. In today's football, it's turnovers, red zone defense, and limiting explosive plays. If you can do that, you have a chance to be good on defense. Credit to Jimbo, honestly, in my opinion. Credit to Jimbo Fisher for making the necessary change at quarterback. A lot of people wouldn't have done that. I, don't, I wasn't even going to bet he did. But I was sitting there last Thursday. He made the announcement. They're moving on from Haynes King and started Max Johnson. I think he get Max Johnson gives him the best chance going in. I've thought that the whole time, but I know Jimbo had a had a soft spot for Haynes King, liked his demeanor like I've mentioned before. But Max Johnson gives him the best chance to uh, hit their ceiling this year. And to be honest, it's naive to think Jimbo's going to change his entire offense in one setting in one week. It's not going to happen. But tip of the cap to the head ball coach for making that adjustment and giving his team the best opportunity to win this past weekend with making the quarterback change. Things you hate to see. Stay on topic. The offense. I mean, the passing game is archaic right now. It has to change. You want to see A&M go a little more up-tempo, quick game, get the ball out quick. I think it would help Max Johnson get into a rhythm, help protect the offensive line, because the right side of the offensive line right now is really struggling with Layden Robinson uh, and Ruben Father. It's just it's a struggle right now. They face any edge rusher with Max Johnson, who's very limited in the pocket. It sets up for bad – it's going to set up – it's not going to be good for Texas A&M. They're going to set up for a lot of negative plays, sacks, potential interceptions – you got to have some kind of tempo, get the ball out, get it to guys like Anaya Smith, get it to guys like Devon A-Chain, let them get in space, make plays. Um, they're struggling to run the ball, lack of explosive plays. Now since the quarterback change, obviously they're 1-0, fresh start. They're probably going to add some wrinkles to the playbook this week against Arkansas. The Aggies have only had nine plays in the red zone so far this season. J- just for example, Arkansas's had 32 let me restate that. The Aggies have only had nine plays in the red zone so far this season. Arkansas has had 32. Uh, Max Johnson, 
was the difference overall, the quick decisions, but the offense still has to get going and be more explosive, and I feel like getting to a rhythm earlier to help protect Max Johnson and, like I mentioned, to protect the offensive line. But overall, I do like how the, the way the Aggies are trending right now. They got the big win against Miami. If they could win this week, if they could win this week in Arlington, be 1-0 in conference, heading to Mississippi State the next week, not saying they're right in the ship, but you feel a lot better than you did two weeks ago, don't you, Aggie fans? I mean, if you're sitting there three and one, one and zero in conference, get a big win against a solid to good Arkansas team, I think that has its weaknesses in itself. And there's a reason A and M's favored this week. I think the last time I checked this afternoon, the line was still minus two and a half. A and M has a chance to go win this game, and right now, as we're speaking. As I start to dive in, do my homework, I kind of like A&M right now, if I'm being honest with you. Now, that prediction, prediction could change by Thursday. But right now, I kind of like A&M. New start of the season, new quarterback. Uh, trajectory is up there right now. But uh, we'll, we'll see at the end of this week. Big game for both Arkansas and Texas A&M. Moving over to the SEC East. Let's go with the best team in the nation right now, the Georgia Bulldogs. Starting at 3-0. and Dominant wins against Oregon, Sanford, and South Carolina. Things you love. The overall offense, it's, it's, I've stated numerous times, it reminds you of 2016 through 18 Patriots offense where it's just kind of pick your poison, man. How do you want to defend them? There's so many weapons. They're versatile all over the place. I mean, you got the, the running game. Stetson Bennett's just taking it to another level. You got the tight ends we all know about. The receivers are good enough. They're good in the system. Todd Munkin has done a phenomenal job. Best coordinator in college football right now. Um, overall, I mean, just Stetson Bennett, man, under the radar Heisman winner, you're not going to get the odds as you see them right now. The value pick right now for me in the Heisman trophy, uh, consideration right now would be go get, go bet on Stetson Bennett. I think it's a solid bet for what you get at value. Moving on. That's not really me talking about the Heisman. I think it's a little bit of an overrated award now. Usually just really, it's probably the best quarterback. So that's why I'm saying Stetson Bennett, his team's going to win and he's going to put up numbers. And overall, the big thing to me is the change of the edge of Georgia plays with now. You didn't even see that last year. Their overall team from top to bottom plays with so much confidence, swagger, as people use the term now. They just look like it's a dominant program, and it is. It looks like Alabama of old. Where they, I mean, I remember a play on Saturday. I think it was the third or fourth quarter. Georgia makes a stop on third and one. Defensive players kind of celebrating. You can tell South Carolina's trying to hurry up, go for it on fourth and one. Everyone on Georgia's sidelines not celebrating. They're trying to get the defense back. It's a standard they play to now. We go out there and we dominate. If we don't dominate, we failed our standard. That's what Alabama was, and it still is, but Georgia is just getting now to that dominant standard. Um, things you don't like to see, it really has nothing to do with Georgia. It's their schedule. My concern is just the team that is very talented but young and inexperienced just get complacent with the schedule. I mean, I'm looking at it now. Let's pull up the schedule. The Georgia Bulldogs schedule right now. Let's see what it is. We got Georgia for the rest of the season right now. We have. So they got Kent State this week at home. Missouri and Columbia. Auburn at home. Vanderbilt at home, Florida obviously in Jacksonville, Tennessee at home, at Mississippi State, at Kentucky, and Georgia Tech at home. I mean, the three-game stretch I see wouldn't come until November 5th against Tennessee, then Mississippi State, and Kentucky. I still, 
I feel like I'm one of the few people who've said it. I do not see Georgia losing a game in their first 12, the regular season. I still, I would load up that on even more. From a trajectory standpoint, it's through the roof. You just hope the team does not lose its focus, get complacent as they go through the middle of the schedule of Missouri, Vandy, Auburn, those kind of games. They get complacent. They aren't getting better. And they kind of turn in maybe into 2018 Alabama where at the end of the season teams have gotten better, caught up to them, and things that they were letting slack in practice – in middle, early October, all the way through November, rear its ugly head. So overall, Georgia, not number one team hands down right now in the country, but the schedule does concern me. But overall, high trajectory would be baffled if they are not 12-0 and sitting in rolling to Atlanta that first weekend in December. Moving on to Florida. Uh, obviously, Florida sitting at 2-1 and one with a great opening weekend win against Utah. Took a tough loss sitting at 0-1 and one in conference to Kentucky. And then got a big win against South Florida. Uh, Someone tournament win, but right now, early first season for Billy Napier, you have to get wins as you can come. They finished it. It'll help the team down the road. But they're sitting at 2-1 and one as they head to Knoxville this weekend. Things you love to see, the running game, the three running backs. I like Florida's running backs, the – uh, the Louisiana transfer, Montrell Johnson, Trevor Etienne, and Aquan Wright. Also, if you add an Anthony Richardson, he's a part of that run game too. Uh, you like the run game. They still got to get a little feel how they want to use Anthony Richardson. Things I don't like, things you hate to see. Anthony Richardson, worst quarterback rating in the SEC. Zero passing touchdowns, four interceptions. Look, I was on the horn all over social media telling people after the Utah game, pump the brakes, guys. Like, I don't know. He, I don't think he's a top ten draft pick right now. Not a Heisman Trophy winner. Let teams are going to make him one dimensional, and they're going to make him beat him through the through the air. And that's what Kentucky did the very next week. Um, another inside linebacker. It'll be interesting to see if Ventrell Miller plays this week. Their veteran inside linebacker gets him lined up, communicates everything on through all three levels for the defense. When he's out, it's trouble. Amari Bernie, above average player. Um, I like Shamar James, the freshman that they have at linebacker. But there was just, just a lot of misfitting gaps this past weekend against South Florida. Gary Bohannon had a heck of a game. The transfer from Baylor now starts at South Florida. Had a heck of a game. The read option, Brenton Cox coming in, guessing wrong after I went back and watched that game. Almost damn near every about every play. Just guessing wrong there, reading off him. And then when, and then when they did – uh, make the right assignment. There's misfilling gaps. I, the inside linebacker plays very underwhelming. You said it going into the season, they needed someone to step up, and Ventrell Miller was a guy Florida could not afford to lose. Right now, it's not good if he doesn't come back. Florida's trajectory, look, first year for Billy Napier. He just needs to get to a bowl. Uh, I, d- I lean towards them not winning this week against Tennessee. I just don't see it. Tennessee at home, they're due to end the streak. I do think Florida will will uh, come out hot, play a lot better than they did against South Florida. I like them in the first half this week, but I ultimately think Tennessee kind of pulls away. Similar to feel to the Tennessee 2016 Florida game. Florida may hop out early, but I think Tennessee ultimately separates. But I think Florida's got to take it week by week, improve, figure out how you want to use Anthony Richardson. I mean, we're a, we're a quarter of the way through, and I feel like Anthony Richardson doesn't really know how he's used. He lacks confidence. Billy Napier in the offense doesn't really know how to use him, his strengths. You just got to figure out how to use him before you get in the middle of the season when you get LSU at home. Obviously, go to George. I don't really think it's going to matter. But those games that they could win, even at A&M with A&M struggling on offense, you just have to get that figured out and decide who you're going to be on offense. Um, I like the trajectory of them, though. I think it's trending up. 
Moving on to Kentucky. Kentucky sits at 3-0 with wins over Miami of Ohio at Florida and Youngstown State this past weekend. Things you love to see from the Cats. Just still winning overall, man. They, they win in different ways. Like Will Levis, even at Florida in the Swamp, didn't play well. In Kentucky's second-half adjustments from Rich Scangarello, the new OC, you liked what he did in that second half against Florida. He relied on the run game. Cavassier Smoke had a big second half. Remember, they're, they're without their best uh, runner, Top rushing leader Chris Rodriguez from a suspension. When he'll be back? Is it this week? Rumors are. I don't know. Maybe it's Ole Miss next week. Um, just a complete winning overall attitude. It's like they go into every game knowing they're going to win, even if it's ugly. Uh, defense, playing like a complete unit right now. Should be good all year if they can avoid some injuries. They're top 15 in total defense. Top, thir- top three in the country in third down defense. Top 15 in red zone defense. They're top 15 in most major st- defensive statistical categories. Things I don't like to see, though. The offensive line is really struggling to get pushed against anyone. They did an all right job with those, some adjustments in the second half, like I mentioned, uh, with Cavassier smoking the running game against Florida in the second half. But it's just you can tell it's making the quarterback, Will Levis, who has an NFL arm, probably the best overall arm in the league. Is He just looks erratic right now. I mean, he has six touchdowns or four interceptions, just doesn't look real comfortable. Kentucky's not finishing drives. It just The offensive line right now is really struggling. It'll be interesting once they get into conference play that they're not going to be able to just survive week to week like that. Kentucky's doing better than I thought throughout the season. The trajectory on them is going fine. They rolling into the Ole Miss game. Uh, 4-0, that is awesome. Big win in the swamp for them to kind of take that springboard to challenge for that second spot in the SEC East. Even if they lose at Ole Miss, that's still in project. That's still the case that you would think Kentucky or Tennessee is probably going to get that second spot in the SEC East. But give it, tip of the cap to Mark Stoops and that entire staff. They just kind of keep it rolling each year. They have their holes. They have to get better. But you just like what the Cats are just consistently doing when in seven and nine games a year. I still think that streak continues after the th- after, after a third of the way through the season right now. Moving on, Tennessee. Tennessee Vols, to me, probably the third best team in the league right now. Um, sitting at 3-0 and with wins over Ball State at Pittsburgh in overtime and against Akron this past week. Things you love to see. The offense is still the offense, man. The third in total offense in the country. Tied for first in red zone offense. Third in scoring offense. Every major statistical offensive category, they are very high in. But I mean, nobody's surprised by that. This is what Josh Heupel's been doing going back to his time at uh, Missouri as the OC and even UCF as the head coach in Tennessee last year. And, and my guy, Hendon Hooker, he is the second best quarterback, in my opinion, in the league right now behind Bryce Young. Currently sitting uh, with six touchdowns, zero interceptions, and 69% completion percentage. The thing that just gets me excited about Hendon Hooker is as much as the ball sling the rock around and take shots, he doesn't turn the ball over. He had two or three interceptions in total last year. The guy is very efficient, productive passer, gets the guys lined up, knows exactly what to do. You can tell he's taken his game to the next level so far just through this first third of the season. I think they have three legit wide receivers. Cedric Tillman, who's out dealing with injury right now. Brew McCoy needs to be consistent, but you see the potential there. And then Jalen Hyatt had a big game against Akron this past week. I like their three receivers, utilizing the tight end some. Things you hate to see. I feel like they haven't really been tested yet, but I still question the corners. They're ranked 100 in passing yards allowed right now the passing defense. Warren Burrell is supposed number one guy, and that's a stretch at best in my opinion. Kamal Hayden is now stepping up. 
But still, she's giving way too many yards up through the air. And then the Tennessee, the penalty's got to go down. They got to get more discipline as they get against better if they as they start playing better competition between games like Florida this week, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Kentucky, those games, penalties that late like that, undisciplined penalties will get you beat in those games, especially on the road or just any game in the Southeastern Conference in general with that. Um, Then just the overall kicking game. They had a punt blocked in a 36-yard punt against Pitt. They missed their first field goal of the season last week against Akron, but really the punting game needs to come on strong again. Punting? Special teams and penalties will get you beat against good teams. Tennessee's got to step that up. But I like the trajectory of the Vols right now. They can get the win against Florida, get that monkey off their back. They have a bye week, and they roll at LSU the week before Alabama. And, man, could you imagine the third Saturday in October with an undefeated Tennessee trying to end the 16-game losing streak to the Tide? Can you imagine that place in Neyland? The place would be rocking. Be one of the bigger Alabama-Tennessee games that I can remember but overall, trajectory of Tennessee looking good. Moving on, South Carolina Gamecocks. Started off slow, but I think everybody kind of projected it. Starting off at 1-2 and two with a win against Georgia State, loss at Arkansas, and then just the dismantling against Georgia this past week in Columbia. Uh, the Gamecocks sit at 1-2. and two. Uh, What you love to see, it's really just special teams right now. Pete Limbo, special teams coordinator, Beamer Ball back in town. They're top 30 in most meaningful special teams categories, which is awesome. They almost, for its own self, almost won them a game. Two block punts for a touchdown, had a big return against Georgia State. It almost won them a game solely because of special teams against Georgia State. And the things you hate to see. I was big on Spencer Rattler going into the season. I still think he is the most talented upside of any quarterback in South Carolina history. Is he, was he ever going to be the most decorated or successful? No, because I think he may leave at the end of the year. Now, granted, it's starting to get the point he needs to come back, which would be big for South Carolina. That's a conversation for another day. But so far, Spencer, Spencer Rattler, two touchdowns of five interceptions, not good. A lot of that is on the offensive line, though, because Spencer's just not getting protected. He's forcing some throws. They were never in it on Saturday. He just started right off the bat. Uh, 124th. And rushing yards, rushing game, the running game is really struggling. Uh, offensive play calling with Marcus Satterfield has been questionable at best. I saw something on Twitter. Josh Van and another guy, uh, another receiver for South Carolina, were um, saying on a third down play against Arkansas, they called a play they hadn't worked on in three weeks. And, it, and just from stuff you're hearing inside the building, it just sounds like it's kind of a grab bag offense. They really have no identity or MO what they really want to do. Cause you you got to have a base offense, but then tweak it off a game plan each week. You can't go look at NFL clips, NFL videos, the All-22 film, and just be like, man, that's a cool-looking play I saw from uh, from the Los Angeles Rams this past week or the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's throw it in the game plan. You have to have what a base offense that you believe in. It can't be a grab bag offense. Again, no identity. And then injuries at the inside linebacker position, specifically with Mohamed Kaba. Once he's been at since he went out against Arkansas, the inside linebacker play has been poor. That's going to have to get better. I don't know if it will. Trajectory for South Carolina, I'd have to say it's trending down right now. They got a couple winnable games. Uh, coming up, they'll have to get on. Their next big game is going to be at Kentucky for them to get back on the right track. I still think they'll get to six wins. Eight wins is going to be a stretch, but they just going to have to get that offensive identity and the offensive line shored up to help Spencer Rattler develop into what he could become. Moving on, the Missouri Tigers sitting at 2-1. and one. Got an opening weekend win against Louisiana Tech. 
took a thumping in Manhattan, Kansas, to Kansas State, and then got a win against Abilene Christian this past week. Things you love to see. The defense kept them in the game against Kansas State. They're fighting. They're competing. Uh, Luther Burden, when he gets touches. That was the top player in Missouri last year out of St. Louis. Um, one of the top receivers in the country. And they got him the ball against Louisiana Tech. He looked great. Now, I know the weather had some things to do in Manhattan where they couldn't get in the ball. And quarterback plays inconsistent right now. But you have to get Luther Burden, whether it's on jet sweeps, putting him in some wildcat formations, just taking shots down the field. You have to get, let your best player touch the football. And they're not doing that right now. But you like the ability of Luther Burden. Things you hate to see, I'm going to lead off with that. Not getting Luther Burden the ball enough is something I hate to see. Quarterback play, whether it's Brady Cook or Jake, or sorry, Jack Abraham has been very inconsistent. Just overall offensive play has been inconsistent. I have a hard time seeing this offense right now scoring 20 points on any conference opponent. Um, may be a little too early for this. I wouldn't do it in the middle of the season, but at the end of the year, as long as it's not too bad and he saves his job, Elijah Drinkowitz having to hire an offensive play caller, an offensive coordinator. He needs to worry about a head coaching duties. I, I, if you listen to my YouTube video and YouTube channel last week talking about Texas A&M's problems with me being in the building, understand what was going on, the ins and outs of that Texas A&M program, and looking at it from a 35,000-foot view, uh, it's just tough to be a head coach and call plays too. It, it just does. A story for another time. Go watch that video if you want to see my insights on that. Um, defense has struggled to stop the run, and I don't think that's going to change. Inside linebackers are struggling. Trajectory of Missouri, I don't like it right now. I think they they may beat Vanderbilt, maybe. Right now, I don't even know if that's a win. I don't see them getting a conference win, honestly, the more I think about it. But trajectory going down could be bad for a lot of Drinkowitz. But moving on, last team for us to cover here on our quarter preview, quarter report, the Vanderbilt Commodore sitting at 3-1, and one, got a big opening weekend, week zero win against Hawaii, then against Elon, struggled against Wake Forest some, but fought, and then got a big win where they were getting points, two and a half points. Your guy took them here at last week against uh, Northern Illinois. Things you love to see, the freshman, A.J. Swan, the quarterback, the true freshman from Cherokee and Georgia, had a great first start versus Northern Illinois. Uh, going 18 for 28 and four touchdowns. He even got thrown in when they pulled right against uh, Wake Forest and went down and had a touchdown drive and converted a two-point conversion on his first drive. He got thrown in against Wake. Um, the Vandy offense is ranked 35th in yards per play. That's ahead of Ole Miss in Arkansas. That's, so that's solid improvement from Vanderbilt. Clark Lee has this team believing, and he's building this program. I like what he's doing right now. A lot of momentum. They go to Tuscaloosa this year, this week, this weekend on Saturday night. I don't think you're really going to be able to judge a lot off Vandy from that standpoint. They will, but Alabama should be able to handle Vanderbilt. Uh, I just love the confidence Vanderbilt's playing with. That's what I want to see the Commodores. Go into Tuscaloosa. Don't be intimidated by the logo or the crimson helmets with the numbers on them. Go in there and fight your tail off, guys. Go out there and play with confidence like you've been playing through the first four games and good things will end up happening. Things you hate to see. The defense could definitely improve as they're giving up over five yards per play. And Clark Lee's a defensive guy, so I think that will get fixed at some point. And they're very suspect to giving up explosive plays in the passing game. You saw the potential of that against Hawaii in that week zero game they opened up with uh, out there. 
But I think Clark Lee will get some of that fixed. The trajectory of the Vanderbilt Commodores is going up, guys. I mean, they're 3-1. and one. I expect them to get about two or three more wins. I think they can knock off Missouri in conference. Uh, I don't really think anybody else. So, realistically, if they could get four to five wins, I would call that a successful season for Vanderbilt. I like the way Clark Lee's got this play, the trajectory of his alma mater going. Uh, and with that said, I mean, that that's the – Quarter report for us. We do the first three games, four games if you're Vanderbilt. That's where I rank everybody. Just kind of going some things I like. I've seen the first three games, three to four games. Some things I don't like. Some things I hate I've seen. Some things that have to be improved for these teams. Trajectory on all 14 teams. But, uh, hey, we're a quarter of the way through, guys. It felt like just yesterday we were talking about the season starting. But, hey, we're going into week four. Uh, we'll do a midseason report like that, but I appreciate you joining us on this episode of Mock 10 Sports. Uh, don't forget to go. Please go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're on all podcast avenues out there. Go like, subscribe, comment on everything out there. Again, I appreciate you joining us tonight.